Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hey everyone, welcome to Let the Rest Burn. On today's episode, I have Jackie Carr. Jackie Carr is a goal coach and speaker and has been one of my mentors for, I think, a couple of years now. I met her first in 2019 before the world changed. I heard you speaking at the Riveter and I was in a tough place in my life to say the very least. And it was like this bright light like came into the room and I was like, there is hope for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I have since then just been a big follower of yours and you are a friend, a mentor, a coach, all the things. And I'm just so excited to have you on today, Jackie. So thank you so much. Uh I am so excited to be on. I'm so excited you're launching this podcast, A Goal Alive, I should say. I loved those Riveter events, you know, 50 plus women in a room and we'd have snacks and we'd speak and we'd network and work side by side. Oh, that was such a special time. You know, it'll come back, but I love that we met there. Those were really unique. And I feel there's like a really special community that was born out of that space. Oh, I totally agree. It's like the cusp of all of the things we hoped that 2020 was going to be. And then we got to all kind of weather that battle together and, and kind of co-evolve right through that process. And I, I agree. It's these moments where I think the universe brings people into your life just in time because there's something coming for you, you know, and I, I definitely think you're one of them. And, you know, today I, I, I want to talk a little bit about like who you are, you know, what makes you, this, you know, this podcast is about women being full of themselves, right? Like being their fullest self. It's off of the Glennon quote from untamed. And that's the inspiration behind this. And really what we had to burn in order to get here and what we are continuing to burn, right? What are those hard things that we're facing? So I'd love to hear Jackie, just, you know, who are you at your fullest self? Yeah, I would like to say that I'm pretty full of myself. And as a human, I've been navigating that statement for a long time, or to use a Brene quote, I've been rumbling with that statement for a long time because I think as a kid, I was told that I was full of myself and cocky and it was really bad. I grew up in Texas and in the fourth grade, I had um, a basketball game where we were on those half courts at that time, Colleen, (laughs) every time I scored, my dad and I used to play basketball in the driveway and my dad is a huge stand. He has three daughters. I've always felt celebrated. And so I guess I learned how to celebrate myself. So I shot some baskets. They went in. 
And I put my hands in the air and kicked my butt and would celebrate myself like every time I made a basket. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Fourth grade, you know, your teeth are coming. I have really big, my two front teeth were really big as a kid. I had blue earrings. My aunt pierced my ears without my mother's permission. So you're getting an idea of what's going on. Yes. And I actually got pulled aside after the game and was told to rein it in. And that this is a team sport and you can save the celebration for the end of the game. And by the way, I watched NBA with my dad. Like that's what I saw. There was no WNBA at the time. And I think that was the beginning of like, oh, wow, I'm a lot. And I think I started in the fourth grade to try to rein it in. I'm not very good at it because I have a lot going on in this body, in this energy, in this presence. and. I would say that like wrangling my ego was something I I started in middle school into high school and then, wow, that ego raged in college. So outfits, alcohol, people, I moved in and chameleoned through and and in and out of a lot of groups. And I think, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I learned a lot about myself because I was able to transform quite a bit to not belong, but fit in. Mm -hmm. But I also started to find like where I felt comfortable. And I would say that at my core, now that I'm in my late thirties, I have children. I have a partner that I work really hard at our relationship with. And I would say at my core now, being full of myself is honoring where I've been, where I used to sometimes shame that chameleon or shame that big ego and embrace my full emotional spectrum, which my journey, I think in the past three years has really been about embracing the dark, Mm -hmm. embracing the hard, like Glennon says, we can do hard things and learning how to navigate what's hard and dark, where perhaps I stood mostly in the light and was scared of the dark for a long time. So really wanted to be liked and wanted to fit into groups and never wanted to have confrontation, but learning that that's part of the human experience. And so, you know, 29 into 30 was a big identity shift for me. Um, It's when I actually got engaged and got married shortly after. That was a huge um, change for me with really being in relationship with Chris and designing a life with someone versus just doing whatever I wanted. And of course now having children, I'm, I'm going through another identity shift as I bring a third child into the world and really navigating what I want my world to look like and what I want our world to look like our being my family, but our being like, you know, the world we coexist in Colleen as well. Yeah. So that was, would be who I am, my core, you know, a deep feeler. I used to hide crying. Now I don't a deep thinker on what do I want for myself in the world? And I believe that comes up through goal setting and, um, really being able to embrace the whole of the emotional spectrum versus only the, the shiny stuff. I love, I love how you kind of set the stage for that, because I think it's so important when we talk about how we arrived 
here today, especially as yeah. leaders, right? As, as someone who does this work with other people. How we arrived here is such a big piece of our story. And I think sometimes we, it's good to let other people hear what this journey has looked like because they look at us, they see our fullness, our full selves, our full expression, our, um, you know, your capacity to hold space for shadow and for light. And there's a lot of doubt that I hear women have about their capacity to do it themselves. They, they project on leaders and, and those that are, are talking about this on the public forums, right? Um, that they had a different life or something happened that allowed them to do this or, you know, it wasn't as hard or because they had this really hard thing, they were able to do this, right? I hear so many different pivots around, well, why can't I do it? And one of the things that I think is very powerful that you said is that you know, when we're talking about burning things down, right? Sometimes people think like ending relationships or setting boundaries or, you know, those are the things that we're burning down. But I love that you were saying, you know, the stories and the narratives you held about what you had to be, who you had to be is part of what you burned down and allowed for this complexity of emotional experiencing in your life that also kind of pushed you to that growth edge. And now again, I think provides space for that fullness to kind of rush in as overwhelming as it might be, right? It's this yeah. idea that when we, when we create the space, when we create the void, that's when more comes in. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, when you have faced those moments and maybe it's the last couple of years, but when you have faced those moments where you knew you had to burn a narrative down, you had to burn a story about yourself down. What was that process like for you? How did that go? Yeah. One that really comes to mind that was a really big aha for me was, you know, burning down relationships that don't serve me. Yeah. I think as we get older, a lot of us have probably navigated friendships that didn't stay and that's okay. You know, some friends are meant to be in your life for a long time. Some come in for a month, six months, a year, three years, whatever it may be. And this could be due to geography. This could be due to what we're experiencing now and a lot of polarizing beliefs. I know a lot of people are navigating friendships that have fallen because of um, political beliefs or different yeah. ways of living their lives, which I think will happen as we change. Change is our only constant. However, as I was sharing with y'all earlier, I like being liked. So to burn down a friendship or a relationship, it's nice when they just kind of burn themselves and <laughs> float into the distance, but that is not always the case. Yeah. And whether y'all look at this in a romantic lens, burning down a relationship that isn't serving you a friendship lens, this could be family, whatever it may be. I also had to take a hard look at, how I was being in relationship to self. Mm. And so, you know, when I had this one experience where I had to end a friendship, it was also ending being full of shit, by the way. You can be <laughs> full of a lot of things. 
That is so and true. I was full of shit in this friendship, trying to appease someone else's needs that totally drained my own. And I look back at some of the language that was used in this air quote friendship. And I'm like, wow, why did I stay for so long? And there is this place where relationships you're in are also a reflection of where you are with you. And so there was a big burn moment for me of choosing me over someone else and burning that thought that someone out there isn't going to like me anymore. And I think it started a really cool revolution in the self that people have choice. I have choice of who I'm becoming and people have choice to stick around or go elsewhere. There's a yes and no in us all. And we can't control other people's beliefs, yes and no's, how they show up for you. You can make requests, you can navigate and communicate, but there is a time where it has to burn when it's no longer serving either side or mutual respect no longer exists. And I I still feel that rumbling. And this was a while ago, Colleen, it was a while ago this happened. But it's something that is still growing in me, you know, as those embers chill out a bit from the burn itself. Oh, that I love. So that's another piece that I think I've heard when I interview every woman on this, we talk about like whether it's residual pain. I love the language burning embers. Mm, That's perfect. It's perfect because we burn it to the ground. Sure. Yes. But there's still a piece that is integrated within us. And I talked about this on my last interview about why, why do we have residual embers? Why do we have that pain? Why does it stick around? Why can't we just move on and be this glorious, amazing version of ourselves that never has to think or feel it ever again. And I think it's our body's innate wisdom reminding us of that moment and that lesson so that when we get to that bridge again, we can choose to go a different path. And without that deep wisdom kind of burned into our nervous system and into our body, I believe our brain sometimes can really pivot and rationalize our way out of a lesson. And that tuning in, that feeling into where you have burned either that relationship, that story, that experience to the ground can help inform you of really what is the most aligned path for you moving forward and why, and why that struggle was absolutely necessary for you to have in this life so that you could have this next opportunity and make a very different choice moving forward. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say to the, the embers relight when they receive breath experience oxygen. If you've ever, I have a wood burning fireplace, but I also have camped and you can see that the fire's still lit, even if there's no flames. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have friends in my life that will be the oxygen, by the way, because I think it created somewhat of a like, Oh shit. <laughs> for real like she's not fucking around 
And I have a couple of friends that will bring up that experience. And it's not that it's only happened once, but <laughs> um, it creates somewhat of a, a ripple effect, mm-hmm. especially in that journey, perhaps when I was asking for help or allowing myself to emerge as someone who was different after making a big decision like that. And so it is interesting whether your memory bank brings the experience back or it happens to me through writing as well. There's things I'll need to write. And then of course, people in your life are like, oh, I can't, still can't believe you did that. Or remember that one time, like there's the oxygen on the embers where you see there's still a place to light and it's still part of you. So yeah, I think, you know, communication around the burn continues, even if you don't want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I, and you know, that this, this complexity of the human experience, I, you know, as a therapist, I see it in so many different arenas, but I'm, I'm curious how this shows up for you in your work and in goals work and speaking when you're talking to the people that you're coaching, helping, leading, how does this show up the most for you? This concept of burning to the ground. Oh God. It's like every conversation. So I believe goals have really been taught through a lens of concrete, a little judgmental and pretty aggressive. I would say like goals, the way I was taught them was like, do this or else. Mm-hmm. write it down and it will be so I do believe in written goals but damn sometimes there's some pressure on the pen yeah and I also believe goals can feel hyper aggressive hyper masculine like these mm-hmm. are what I'm doing and the thing is you can write a goal down in pencil and you can erase a del- you can delete you can edit perhaps the date you had formerly committed to the promises you had once made might not continue because you're different. My identity has changed so many times in my lifetime that the goals I wrote in my twenties, much less the goals I wrote two years ago are no longer valid. And so What I believe we can do is enter into a conversation where goals are more fluid, Mm -hmm. goals embrace grace, uh, gratitude. They embrace grief because there are some goals you will mourn that will never Mm -hmm. happen. There are some goals that you will grieve because you changed and you didn't let it go and it got harder. And there were, there will be some goals you have that will only happen once you burn a few times. And so I believe goals are a becoming. Goals are alive, just as you and I are, just as the tree outside. Goals are growth. And when you can honor the natural rhythm of be it winter into spring, summer, be it burning parts of yourself to become who you will be. This is where I think goals get the most interesting. 
because they can guide your yes and no. They give you the agency and authority to say, I don't want that anymore. And this is the empowerment of goals that I never heard in a conversation growing up. It was like, be specific and realistic. Okay, well, let me just tell you about that realistic word. (laughs) For me, I love setting goals that I can achieve. Great, I have a to-do list every day and I write things on there I've already done. Made the bed, did it, wrote it so I can scratch it off. I get realistic goals. However, sometimes I wonder and inquire within if my realistic goals are setting me up for more of who I was versus who I want to be or become. And so I play with unrealistic goals so that I can challenge my old beliefs. I can challenge this language of success and actually embrace and invite in parts of myself, people I haven't met yet to make these gargantuan goals, which don't have to be like a huge loud goal, but something that does even challenge a burn, if you will, of who you will become. So, you know, I use the burn. I don't use this language, but I like it. It's really jiving, as you can tell with me. Yeah. Uh, I believe the, the ability to flow and be fluid in our goals is a way better practice than the perfect of goals I was taught. And so the burn is necessary. Yes. Ooh, yes. I love, I love that. And, you know, you've, you've educated me over the last couple of years on this concept of goals. I, I was not a goal hater, but I was like a goal avoider for a very long time. Right. And, and one of the things that I learned is the, the kind of beauty of what it feels like actually to change a goal and how it, for me, it actually feels like an evolution of self. It feels good when I can honor who I am. I can look at something that I believed I wanted to be or I wanted to do. And I can really tap into that. You know, I call it now that sacral yes, as I dive into the human design, using that language a little more, that sacral yes. I can say, you know what? I had, I had a sacral yes six months ago about this experience or this thing. And as today I embody it, I experience it. I'm sitting with it. It's a sacral no, no. And And the question is, and this is so powerful, what she said too, is kind of living on that growth edge. Yeah. Really having to question, is it a no because I'm scared because I don't want to kind of like lean into that hard space or is it a no because it no longer aligns? And if we didn't have the goal written down, if we didn't have the goal in mind, we didn't do the work behind it. We're not actually doing the reflection. We're not sitting with our past self. We're not sitting with our future self. We're just, we're in this like reaction instead of this proactive anticipation or proactive reflection, which I think allows for the, the evolution of the self and that craving we all have of a more joy filled, fluid, dynamic life. We have to incorporate in reflection and intention. And that is such a important part of the goal process and an important part of your work because I see you unpack it in all platforms that you're on. You know, goals are not always going to be easy and neither is life. And our brain actually from, I just read Dopamine Nation by Anna Lemke and really loved 
the part where our brain is always in a state of seeking homeostasis between pain and pleasure. Well, we don't ride one side or the other forever. There's a balancing act that's always taking place. And I felt like a little, I felt like that was a little daunting at first. And then it felt like a sigh of acceptance and embracing what I shared earlier around the light and the dark, that this is mm. the whole experience. And goals are vulnerable as all hell. Like yes. you want to talk about that hope you spoke to in the beginning in 2019 and then 2020 was like, hi, it's me. You know, <laughs> goals are a form of hope. It's saying, mm-hmm. I believe this could be possible. Now, what you're talking about though, is when we kind of hit the road bump, get a little lethargic, maybe a <laughs> pandemic happens and those goals just get sideswiped, right? Where do we go? Are we in reaction or are we able to edit? Mm -hmm. And this is what I love about that sacral yes and no is goals become a place that you get to say, do I still want this or not? Yes or no. And you have that autonomy. You have that choice to decide just because you wrote it on paper doesn't mean it is the be all end all. And so this is where And Brene actually Brown talks about this in her new book, Atlas of the Heart. Hope can dive quickly to hopelessness when we don't honor the different pathways we can take to a goal. I have a exercise I called goal mapping in my goal school, where when you write a goal down, can you write at least three ways this goal can come to life? Not just one. We get such tunnel vision. And that tunnel vision can lead us to language like failure. I'm a failure. Um, There's no hope. This is too hard, right? When the ability to see that it might take more time or there might be someone you haven't met yet, a part of yourself you haven't challenged yet. And that's where I think goals continue to bring in the whole body and allow us to experience the darkness or the pain-pleasure balance. and. I'm here for that. I'm here to be alive, to feel it all. Cause you can't just feel one side of that seesaw. Mm. It's so true. It's so true. And I, I do think that that's a, that's something that we know, we like come on this planet knowing, and then it gets conditioned out of us. And then we have to like, know it again. Yeah. Right. It's I'm watching, I'm watching my daughter who's going to be seven here next month and I'm watching her conditioning happening yeah right I'm watching it and it's it's hard as a mom I know you feel this too where you just you see the world affect that childlike wonder and that fullness of self that ability to live to the edges of their emotional experience and they learn what's acceptable what's not what our culture supports what it doesn't what their friends like and don't and you can't stop it, right? It just is part of life. And the thing that I come back to every time, every time is I say, if out in the world, my children are experiencing this conditioning of you know, dimming their light and getting in line and t- turning down their hope because it's too loud or turning off their hope because you know there's no point, whatever it might be. If they come home, 
to somebody who's living on the edge, who's hoping for all the things, who's doing the hard work and showing it to them. I feel like they get that choice back. They get the capacity to watch their mom be a different version of what the world is showing them. And they get to go into the world and see this as well. And when we give people choice, I think we, we break them out of that box of despair and of hopelessness. You know, as, as you were referring to Brene's book, I, as I was reading those chapters, despair and hopelessness and depression, I was like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. The, the clients that come in my office that are depressed, it's, it is very much this inability to hope. And I, I just pull it back every time as a mother. I think it's always the first thing I think about. How can I make sure my daughter and my son continue to hope and make sure that path is tread for them? You know, and it's, it's quite the task. Yeah, it is. You know, I think we're disrupting a lot of status quos. And this is, you know, whether you're a parent, I actually think we parent one another as humans as well. Oh, yeah. So people will really step into those authority figures for you along the way. They don't have to be your biological parents. And one thing while you were sharing, you know, last year, my light was pretty dim. I, I went through loss of a very important person in my life. And I was told my, my husband, I said, you know, I need to tell our five-year-old. I need to tell her what I'm going through. So she understands, you know, perhaps why I stay in bed longer, or mm. maybe I'm not smiling as much as I used to. And I don't want to be a facade for hope, Colleen. That was one yeah. thing that was like, okay, like, damn, this year's hard, 2021. And I took Evie for ice cream in this like little spot on this hipster road I love in Denver. And I just told her, I was like, you know, my grandmother's dying. I'm having a really hard time. I started crying. And I just want you to know, like, it's affecting my whole life. How I parent. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get emotional talking about it. Mm -hmm. And she just listened. And she cried with me a little bit. And it's not that she understood Colleen. Like, it's not that she was like totally conscious of the experience I was sharing with her but she was seeing me be human yes and that has been my promise as a mother to my children is to hold a candle of light to the whole experience like I'm not gonna parade around last year that everything's fine yeah and so the ability to navigate that with your kids, I think is a gift we can give them because goals aren't going to be easy. Relationships with friends at age seven, five, 14 are going to be challenging. Loss will happen, whether it's ending a friendship by choice or a life ends. So I love this conversation of being all of ourselves because if we hide it, it gets stuck and sticky. You're a therapist. Good God, you're hearing it every week. So the more that I think we can open up that conversation, whether it's me crying on a podcast or with your child, 
I think the better we'll be as humans together. Oh, well, first of all, I appreciate your vulnerability, Jackie. I think it's so important to allow space for it, especially when we're talking about a moment that, to be honest, is going to be transformative for not just you, but also your daughter. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I could easily blame my pregnancy. I'm like 35 weeks pregnant, but this is actually like, this is the fullness of who I am. I'm someone who yeah. definitely cries a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, cause you feel deeply, you know, and I, and you feel in your body and I, I love actually, I think pregnant women are the most true versions of themselves than they ever will be. I love pregnancy because I think you're like the canary in the coal mine, right? Like you feel everything <laughs> on a level that we all need to feel it. You know, I trust a pregnant woman's intuition more than probably any other human on the planet because you're just so tuned in. And and I love it. I love it. And and when we when we can show our children truth, openness, honesty, the whole human experience, that in itself is hope, right? Hope isn't a shiny, bright light always. Sometimes hope is just ownership of self. It's the recognition that you are still breathing. You're still alive. You're still sitting in front of her at an ice cream shop, <laughs> allowing yourself to cry. That is hope in their eyes because they say, you know, oh, I can be that too. And I'll be okay. Right. And, and I think that's the... I love the unpacking of emotions and the experience of being human because it is so complex and the realness, the realness is what we have to show our children and what we have to show each other. I think too, how many times have we felt that guttural hit or that rising of the emotion in our body? And we take that deep breath to shut it down, but maybe the person we're with just really needs to witness us be real. Yeah. hundred percent. 100%. I think after two years of this pandemic and the entry of a really tech heavy world we're moving into. Yeah. The more we can be human, like, like this together, I think it can create a place for, you know, tech and humanity to coexist, not one or the other. I agree with you. I agree. I think that's why podcasts and, communities. I, I want to talk about your community here in a moment because it's incredible. Communities online are evolving. They're changing. They're creating space for deeper connection versus I think more just utility or advertisement or marketing. It's become a human experience and not just a technical experience. I'd love to hear how you've integrated this into your world and tell us a little bit about your community that you've launched um, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So I launched a community called together this year. I actually loved the book together by Vivek Murthy. It was really about how our society and God, I think it was back in like 2019. I read that book, but our society was going through what he called like an endemic of loneliness, which mm. I actually think we'll be reading about more and more in the news. Again, now that we even are coming back into perhaps a different definition of normalcy, a lot of people are navigating loneliness. And mm -hmm. 
whether this is from quarantine experiences in the past two years, I sometimes feel a level of loneliness, um, even with a mask on, like eye contact and, and expressions of the face are so important to me. And so I've had a rough time, to be honest. I, I know the importance of health and science, but I also acknowledge how I feel. Yeah. And so I built an online community called Together, and it had to be off of Instagram and Facebook, these places that are built to um, create dopamine hits and keep us engaged, you know, for points of sale and for continuation of promotion, which, hello, you and I are on there. We know yeah. there's community and marketing that works for our brand on there. But for me last year, around October, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a little bit of a spiral here, an addiction spiral to Instagram and the likes and the people, the followers. And, you know, it went back to probably parts of that time in my youth when I wanted to fit in so bad and I wanted people to like me so bad. And so I took a break. I got off Instagram for two months. I was going to go off for like two weeks. And I was like, oh, I know. I don't want to go back. So I took off and uh, it was in the middle of like a big launch. So it was really scary, Colleen. Like mm -hmm. I really built so much of my business around this one platform. So I was like, wow, I've really pigeonholed myself here. What can I do? And I asked myself, like, what do I need? I need a space to go, an alternative to this mindless scroll that happens after five minutes of being on. And that's, of course, my experience might not be y'all's. And when I thought about, you know, this language of loneliness, you know, even doing events right now, I've done a couple and they're talking about a full sacral. Yes. I don't have a full yes for in real events in real life. Even like my, I used to hike and Colleen's been on one of my signature goals hikes where I bring people to the mountain and we talk about a theme and a topic and we meet in community. Um, even those felt like reaching right now. Like it mm -hmm. felt like some people were like a half yes still. And like, wow, these half yeses are so interesting. And so the online community is a space that's curated. You know, it calls people in to invest in themselves, to do trainings together. This morning we had an astrologist on talking about the year, you know, opening our minds to speakers that can bring in topics. Colleen, I'm sure I'll have you talk about trauma. Um, you know, my experience from your trauma training last year was instrumental to getting through last year. I stayed in my pinky finger as I gave two eulogies last year and spoke in front of all of my families. And that's the kind of access I want people to have that can get so distractionary on social media. And so I wanted to get social with intention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going to have someone talk about psychedelics. Someone else is going to talk about how to get involved in your local government. So it's going to be, of course, request that y'all in the community, Colleen's beautifully in the community, that y'all share with me, what do you want? And then we're going to come together this month. We're doing a belief burn next month. I'm leading y'all through a concept called bold requests, you know, starting to build 
tools for connection, then listen, I know we can go read all the self-help books. I know we can. I do it. I do it. And yet there's something really innate in the human experience about being together. We're wired for connection that I think catapults through a connection of human to human, even if online, as long as it's intentional and conscious that can allow the work to integrate and be accountable versus like, oh, that was a nice read. That was inspiring for 10 minutes. Now I'm going to go back to the old habit, back to the old sense of self that might need to burn. And so I really built the space to be human together, to go together, to be vulnerable, to ask for what we need. And I mean, listen, it's so new. I know I'm like not even a month in yet. I'm a beginner. We get to be beginners together. I'm even navigating using a new platform like Mighty Networks for Tech that was hilarious that I poo-pooed. I was like, I don't like the name Mighty last year. And now I'm on the platform. Like that's, <laughs> that's so me. I like that so perfect. But I really, this, this space is energizing to me. And my hope is that it feels energizing to others to even be in a container called together when perhaps we've been apart for a long time. Hmm. I, for one, have enjoyed all of it. I think that you are, you are knocking it out of the park and I don't, you know, I don't think that it's easy. It's not easy to navigate people away from what they're comfortable scrolling through. So hard. It is so hard. And yet you're doing it. You're doing it. And I'm excited to see where it goes because I think that what I'm noticing on this platform is, is it's people who are coming together who have followed you, have found you, who, you know, have been led by you, but now are also leading each other who are coming alongside, whether it be in friendship or colleagues or taking each other's courses, trainings, workshops. Um, and it, it creates this experience of almost like a, a bigger mastermind. You know, I think we all sign up for masterminds. We sign up for these group experiences because especially in entrepreneurship, but In general, I think we feel this longing to be around those that get it, that can see us, that want to see us. And you've created a space for that. And so I'm really excited to see how it emerges and how this continues to evolve for you and what you'll have to burn along the way. Because as always, there will be plenty. We'll have another conversation like this probably another day (laughs) but I Jackie I'd love for you to uh let everyone know where they can find you and and access all of your amazing amazing tools yeah I I think my website's a great place to start JackieCar.com. it's j-c-k-i don't let autocorrect add the e I went through an identity transformation in college and dropped the e so Jackie with an I C A R R.com. And then of course at Jackie Carr, I still post on Instagram, really value centric and goal centric. I used to share so much of my personal life, Colleen, but mm-hmm. at this state of my life, I'm really keeping that sacred. So I've made a big shift on Instagram. So that's been interesting. Go check it out. Tell me what y'all think. And of course, email, 
my email is hello at jackiecar.com. So you can just literally say hi and see what happens. <laughs> and the community would welcome you with open arms. Um, there's a monthly option. There's going to be a really beautiful option being launched for, you know, anybody that's been affected by the pandemic financially and um, communities that aren't represented, or even I really would love essential workers to support themselves Mm -hmm. in together. My sister just became a nurse. It's been so cool to see her step up and step in and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to connect with anybody that wants to talk goals. That's what makes me come alive. So let me know. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I'll put all of it on the show notes as well. So they can find you and make sure that E does not get in there. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. And I look forward to future conversations and uh, talking about trauma along the way as well. We can't wait. Thanks for having me. It was a true honor. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today. To be inspired, to be seen, and to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn.